Traveling the Vortex. We've joined the Doctor as he travels the Vortex and arrive at episode number 359. Remember, you must always judge history in its context. I'm Keith. I'm Sean. I'm Glenn. How are you guys? I'm well. I'm okay. I'm doing pretty good. Did you guys do anything fun this week? I got all my exterior illumination up this weekend. Yay! So, so did I. Yeah, Although I need, I need to do some tweaking because I have a section out. I reset my exterior stumo, exterior illumination this weekend. Why'd you have to reset it? Um, some low-life piece of garbage decided to come over on Corey's side and cut the the Christmas cord, the, the strand of lights. Just just cut yeah. it. Aww. So we salvaged, salvaged all the bulbs out of it, and I just restrung that side. But consequently, now that I had to use a strand of lights, I don't have enough to go around and do the back side of the house. So we just decided, ah, this year we're just going to do the front. We got all Christmas-fied uh, Monday on the inside, and then today we got I got the lights hung after doing a bunch of leaves yesterday. I finished listening to the uh, 10th Doctor Adventures Volume 2. Quite enjoyable. Good. Uh, the big finish audience. Mm-hmm. And then I started the... Um, Third Doctor Adventures Volume 1, and I must say that <laughs> Tim Trelor is a more than passable Third Doctor. Oh, yeah. He's, oh, good. Yes. I haven't really watched anything this week. Um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. returned. Yeah, I haven't picked back up. I, I'm still trying to get finished with um, a bunch of other stuff, including Inhumans. So. I started Punisher. I started the first episode. It's I didn't know what to expect from it, but... It's very different, but I like it so far. Good. But I'm only one episode in, and yeah. I didn't get back to it at all. So, I did also watch uh, Crisis on Earth X. I heard good things about that. It was really enjoyable. Way better than last year's CW, oh, the yeah, CW yeah, crossover. Yeah. We, we are all the way up to uh, season five now, or season five, episode five of Stranger Things. Oh, hey. You're so, slowly trucking. Slowly trucking along on there. there. It's so good. It is so yeah. good. Um, I'm current on the Orville. And mm-hmm. with every passing episode, I love the show even more. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it is. It just—it's filling that Star Trek-shaped hole in my life right now. <laughs> and then I, we watched uh, Logan Lucky, the um, Adam Driver, and uh, oh yeah, what's his name, Magic Mike, Channing Tatum. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. That's about it. Well, let's talk about some news. Well, slow week this week of as far as news goes. The only thing uh, came out was at a broadcast magazine is reporting that the upcoming series will be shot with different cameras and will give the series a new filmic look. What is a filmic look? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll find out in series. I, I read begins. that in the article too, and I went, "I wonder what filmic, filmic means." I, I guess it's going to look more like a. F- more film, more, more cinematic. More cinematic, I think is probably the word they're Film-like. looking for. Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I didn't notice that it wasn't already looking filmic. It was, it was pretty filmic, pretty epic, in my opinion. But well, they've got uh, been supplied with Cook anamorphic prime lenses and something Optimo anamorphic zooms. That will work on their Alexa XT, Ari Alexa 
XT and Alex mini cameras. Yeah, it's already getting too technical. <laughs> I, 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 I can vouch for the cameras. Those are cool. I've never heard of these lenses. I've heard of a prime lens, which I don't like, but uh, I'm sure in the hands of somebody more gifted than me that it probably does well. <laughs> I don't like not being able to focus. That drives me nuts. <laughs> mm. And that's pretty much the that only news. It. There was that, that, that uh, photo shoot that happened way late in the week. I don't know if you saw that or not. The promotion. Oh, the. Uh, um, there, were, there were a couple of promotional pictures yeah. that were released. There's one of them on the the icy scape and them looking upward and, and all that. And then there's the, the nice Doctor Who magazine one. I think that's mm-hmm. what it was. Where. Yeah, holding the book. yeah Capaldi's reading the first annual. It's a gorgeous photo. Oh, they both are. Yeah. And a nice moving poster trailer from BBC America. (laughs) (laughs) Way to go, BBC America. If you're going to do something like that. The thing is, if you're going to do something like that, you got to try to top the 50th anniversary one. Right. Where we went through all of that stuff, and there's no way you can do that. No. 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 Way jam-packed. Too much stuff. That was a really good one. Yeah, it was good. Um, have we heard if this is? Uh, I, we, I'm, we're well, assuming it's day and day Christmas. It is. Yeah, it is Christmas Saturday. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> I had Christmas, Christmas is actually on a Monday this year, Christmas, but Christmas Monday this year. <laughs> but um, so the BBC America and everybody across the board, it's, mm-hmm. it's day and day. Well, mm-hmm. we know for certain BBC America and the BBC on Christmas Day. I don't know about anybody else. Well, that's everybody. Yeah, Australia might <laughs> be on. the next day. Well, and it airs, I think, on space up in uh, Canada. Usually that's about the same time as BBC America. Usually it is, yeah. That's everybody. And then there's <laughs> all the Asian countries get it, but sometimes they get it the day after. Not all the Asian Pretty countries. Pretty sure the Australia gets it the day after. Australia used to get it like a week later. You remember that back in the yeah, old days? But I yeah, so. I think they're day and date now, too. Well, so. they're the next day. Oh, yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Because their Christmas happens like 24 hours before ours. Oh, well, not quite, <laughs> but yes. <laughs> if it happened 24 hours before ours, then they would have a whole day out of the way. But That's yes, true. Yeah. Within, yes, there is, a, there is a large gap. A very large Christmas gap. Christmas on the beach. <laughs> yeah, in summertime. It's so. summer down there. <laughs> Christmas in summer down there. Good huh? stuff. Exciting. Yeah. We do have some feedback. Uh, Andy wrote to us. Oh, I should. Pull oh, that's that up. right. I forgot about that. I was quite surprised by that. Yeah, I mean, pleasantly surprised. Pleasantly Don't get surprised. me wrong. We we hear from Andy quite a bit. Just never as well, feedback just for the show. I, <laughs> <laughs> when you hear from Andy on a fairly, fairly regular basis, it's it's a bit surprising when you get feedback from him. Andy writes actual feedback for a change. Hey lads, first up, great to hear y'all excited about the Lost Skin novella. Still no definitive release date, but I imagine it'll be by March or so, just so I have enough time to finish it. Trust me, you won't be disappointed. Yay! And if you are, I'm totally not taking blame. (laughs) (laughs) Elsewhere, not sure you guys have mentioned the Big Finish 99 for 99. If not, it's still running, I think, until December 23rd. Some great titles here, many of which I'm sure you guys have yet to hear. All of the Dalek Empire stories, which I had started to listen to way back in the day and am now finally getting the chance to catch up on. I forgot how detailed and intense it gets. If you're not listened, for 99 cents a chapter, it's totally worth getting now. Plus, first series of Cybermen for the first 50 
Oh, first series of Cybermen and the first 50 monthly releases. Which reminds me, have you lot listened to And the Pirates? If not, download it. Trust me, once you've heard it, you're going to want to review it. We have, Andy, we have, although I don't yeah. remember specifically which episode that was in. Oh, it's been a while ago. We'll maybe pull that up it's and good, find though. out. Very but good. yeah, that was that was a yeah. great one. And since you guys, and since it's you guys, a quick update on other things which I know interest you. I've finished first pass edits on a very private haunting, and if all goes well, we'll have it ready by mid to late January for release. Sorry about the delay on Series 5. Can't be helped. It's worth the wait, though. Be sure to read A Very Private Haunting on a stormy night. Spook out guaranteed. Chat with you soon. Andy Franco-Mellon. Cool. Thanks, Thanks, Andy. Andy. And I didn't realize uh, that sale was going on for Big Venom, so if if you're looking to try to try some, that's a great sale to it's a great sale to take it. I mean, you know, a buck a pop. You can't really argue with that. No, you really can't. Yeah, it's a real good price. It'll be a little more converting to U.S. dollars, but that's what, like a dollar fifty, maybe. Probably about that. Even then, and if I'm not mistaken, these are of course downloads. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, digital yeah. copies, yeah. digital downloads. Alas, you cannot get a CD for a dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you want to send us feedback, you can send it to feedback at travelingthevortex.com or just go to our website and fill out the Send Us Feedback tab. And our website, of course, is travelingthevortex.com. Or reach out to us on any form of social media. We're everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) Let's move on to our reviews. What should we start with? Chronological orders. Son of the Dragon. Typically what we do. But what if I read the comics first? <laughs> that's on you. That's, yeah, that's on you. <laughs> I came chronologically first. I, am, I didn't. I listened to the audio first. Excuse I me. Mean, Chronological White Doctor. That's what I mean. Oh. Yes. yes. I know that's the way it is. I just like questioning it. <laughs> son of the Dragon. I am Prince Vlad the Third, son of Vlad the Great, and sovereign and ruler of Ungro Walkea. Wakia? Wakia. Wakia. Uh, I think it's Wallachia. Wallachia. And the Duchies. That's where Black Panther's from. Almas. <laughs> I thought that every time they said <laughs> it. Oh, I did too. <laughs> Almas and Fergraeus. But since my father's murder, I have another name. I am Dracula. Why does Wallachia make you think of Yakanda? I don't know what this does. <laughs> <laughs> the names aren't even any close. It just starts with a W. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, it's and, a foreign land that starts with the W. And the Bru- Wisconsin frog. <laughs> <laughs> Holly's hanging out with Black Panther <laughs> in Wallachia. In Wallachia. <laughs> Holly from Wallachia. <laughs> Wait, or is it Holly from Wakanda? <laughs> that works too. So I really like this story. Oh, bump, bump, bump. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, this is. Yeah, fantastic. I was quite uh, surprised by this one because I don't know why when I scheduled it, I for some reason was thinking it was a Seventh Doctor one. And Son of the Dragon, I thought it was going to be Chinese, you know. <laughs> you so, were way off. So, so it, it started, it was the Fifth Doctor, and I went, oh, okay. And there were no dragons. <laughs> Dracula. Oh, Okay. So I think after that initial shock, my expectations were out the window. I had no idea what was going on. And then I just listened to it. It was like, man, that was great. I really liked that. 
I should do. I should go into these blind more often. Well, that, that's how I wind up going into pretty much all of these, except for knowing who the doctor is and yeah, what the yeah. pairing is going to be. Most of these, I have no idea because I, I try not to read the synopsis. Yeah, I, I really. And with really a title try. like "Son of the Dragon," you don't really know what to expect. Yeah, in fact, but when they set it up and they talked about Dracula, well, of course, that's what it translates to. Dracula yeah. is, uh, yeah, it's he's son of the dragon. How had no one done? A Vlad the Impaler story for Doctor Who before now. Yeah, I, I mean, know. come on. that This felt like a mix between the Crusades and something else. I'm not sure what, but it was awesome. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a great period story with no science It's a pure fiction. historical. Yeah, with no... Yeah, it is, because it does have a historical character. Or historical characters. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's no science fiction element to it. There's no... Fancy, no, no techno babble, no, no yeah, it's no it's, trying to make Dracula an actual vampire, right? <laughs> Which is refreshing. <laughs> huge props, because, huge I mean, props. Vlad the Impaler obviously was a historical uh, figure, um, and there is a lot of mystery that surrounds him. So I thought that was the cool thing is, is taking how... this and saying, yeah, we can build on that mystery by putting oh, yeah. the, the the these elements together and. There's no question. You don't have to go, well, yeah, we don't know if that's what happened. We don't know if this is what happened to a wife. And so. I, I loved how Perry initially kept trying to attribute those elements to it. Well, what about this? What about this? What about the, you know, and, and, and the doctor's just shooting them down one after another after another. Well, no, it was actually this. Well, it's actually because of this, blah, blah, blah. And then even later, she's like, maybe he hypnotized her. Yeah, it's <laughs> she, because she's going to what she's familiar yeah. with about Dracula. Yeah, and, and the best they can come up with is... Well, he's rather charismatic. <laughs> just that's all you got. It's like, and I love the doctor's line about it's amazing how fact becomes myth. Myth, yeah. You know, yeah. I've always loved when any story takes gives us the the historical aspects of why the mythology is the way it is. Mm-hmm. The fact that why the the myth of staking a vampire to kill it is because he impaled his victims all of that stuff i just always eat up every single time no matter what the story is and it was so well done it was was across the board it was what's amazing is how they make you sympathize for vlad Mm -hmm. i could totally see his entire side of the argument the entire time well even early on when before we get to know him and you the realization kind of hits you that Oh, these Turks are the invaders of his country. He may be a tyrant, but he's just defending his borders. And you can understand why he's doing what he's doing to protect his country. Everything through that up to meeting him and getting to know him and how he's struggling with all of this stuff. It's just so well written and so well acted. It's such a wonderful balance, too, because you start in the Turkish camp and... These are very noble people, and they, you know, it's got a great commander, and we will protect you from the evil, and, you know, oh, Dracula. So, of course, as, as with Perry, we're already in that mindset of mm-hmm. we know who Dracula is. Okay, of course he's evil. And so and as the, the myths get dispelled one at a time, but they're still, the Turks are still going, the evil is coming, the evil is coming, he's going to come get us. And, you know, so they've really built up this, this you know, this big bad. And then you meet him. And your pendulum swings completely the other direction to be like, oh, yeah, no. He's not that bad. He's, 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 I mean, yeah, he's bad, but he's he's ruthless in kind of an almost efficient way. <laughs> yeah. And he has 
you, you get to hear his justifications of why he's so ruthless. Right. He's trying to create peace. It's just creating peace and not the most moral way to do it. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things where it's almost like, well, I can kind of understand what he's trying to do. And, and what sold that for me more than anything else, more than anything he said, was the, the one peasant who was happily out there on the march. Oh, yeah. And, well, and John Dobrin's de- yeah, dedication yeah. to him, too. Was, yeah, that was all the way to the end, which I thought yeah. was cool. Yeah. So, yeah, exceptionally well-written. Do you know who played Dracula? He sounded vaguely familiar, but I didn't bother to look it up. James Purfoy. Where do I know that name? Where do I know that name? He has uh, been in a lot. So he was in Rome, the following, A Knight's Tale. Um, he was in John Carter. I don't know him from Adam, so. <laughs> There's a thing. Is that Heath Ledger's dad? No, it's not Heath Ledger's dad. James Purfoy. Yeah, I, I'll have to look him up. I Colville that. in Knight's Tale. It's been long enough. I don't remember that. Anyway, so it, he's done a lot of. He's Mark. He was in Rome. He was Mark Anthony. I mean, he's done so much stuff, and he's always been a good actor and all all of that stuff. So he was quite exceptional. So this, there were. Remember that Ace story we did? That I have to be more specific. <laughs> I'm not. I'm sorry. Not the hex story. That, that narrows it down. It does me. narrow down. <laughs> <laughs> Where it's kind of a similar format of hex gets swept along with. Oh, the, uh, Crom- the, not Cromwell. Uh, yeah, Cromwell. Yeah, Cromwell. Yeah, yeah, this Cromwell. felt like it was the same format, but executed better. I think. I think part of it is because I'm more familiar with Vlad and his mythology and the, his history, and I think just part of it is <laughs> the fact that. The supporting, like, Hex's aspect of that journey was fascinating, but, like, the Doctor and Ace's stuff in the background wasn't as well done. I think this had the Doctor and Perry still being relevant and important to the plot. Very much equal parts. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. I think what amazed me most about this one was a lot of times you listen to these Doctor Who stories, these big finish audios, and you think... Well, that really felt like a television episode. That really felt like a television episode. Oh, yeah. yeah. That sounds like a television. I put myself in the whole TV. This sounded like a movie to me. Yeah. It was very cinematic in the brain, just in its execution. I think some of that has to do with the fact that there are long periods of time that, that pass between uh, you know scenes and stories and, and sections of it, and chapters and episode breaks and... Um, so there's there's a lot of part breaks, I guess there are in this. Uh, there's a there's a lot of sweeping time, and there's a lot of things that they could easily have swept under the rug and said, okay, passage of time here, a lot of things have happened. They seem to do a really good job of connecting it. When we re- rejoin them again, we find out just enough information of what's been happening mm-hmm. without having a big giant info dump that some authors have been guilty of doing in big finish where we have these big sweeping if we have a long passage of time we have these large info dumps of information to get us caught back up to kind of move this along this was done in such a way that you could almost imagine the dissolve and then the you yeah. know in in the frame and then coming to another mm-hmm. time or location much later and it just worked really really well they allowed it room to breathe they did they really did 
if I if there's a weak link and it's it's a, it's almost more of a minor quibble than anything, I kind of felt Aramim was I don't want to say wasted because obviously she's the emotional crux of what Team Tardis is trying to accomplish is 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 get her back, but I felt like her running off with the guy and a marriage proposal it, it, it seemed like a story that we've kind of already had with Aramum. I think that's my complaint of the story too is the fact that that aspect was so familiar and how many times are we going to have Aramum almost leave Team Tardis to be with this historical figure whether it be through this marriage proposal or previously because she believes in their convictions I mean it feels like a lot of the stories the major conflict set up is is Aramim going to leave us? Yeah. And I like the pairing so well together, the three of them, that I don't want her to leave. So I don't like being having that dangled in front <laughs> of me. have only got a couple more stories before I've, she's gone. So. I've, and it, it, feels like, it feels like every every one is almost like, is this going to be her final one? Mm-hmm. Is this going to be her final one? And I know they can't do that with Perry or the Doctor. So you got to try to have some sort of peril or conflict to some of your characters and make it believable. It just... It never seems to bother me too much because I've always felt like this is Aramon taken out of her own time because she obviously can't return. And it's almost like, to me, it's Aramon trying to find her place in history, a new place for her in history. And I think I kind of like that they keep doing that, leading me down that path of, okay, is this where she's going to end up? Is this where she, because, you know, she can't travel with the Doctor and Perry forever. We know that. And she has to land somewhere because she can't go home. So... I think it's I think it's a calculated move on the writer's part to kind of make you feel like she's starting to get secure in a time and then that's I, my biggest gripe with this is we have this sweeping epic of as I said very cinematic feeling story that ends with a freeze frame sitcom in to me <laughs> I felt like the whole rejoining at the end of the of the crew was much too Happy, you know, the 80s sitcoms where everybody makes little jokes and then the free, you know, frame freezes at the end. Yeah. That was the only thing that felt a little awkward to me at the end. I'm glad it ended the way it did. I'm glad Araman ended up back on the TARDIS with TARDIS, Team TARDIS, but it just seemed to be very, it was a sweeping, we're going to make light of now everything that has happened and we're going to move on for our next adventure. And that felt awkward to me, but it did, it, it certainly did not take me out of the story at all. Well, I, I think that's the, the the little bit of the issue is that I had that Aram goes with Vlad on very, it felt at the time, flimsy pretenses. That she just gives her word in order to save everybody else. Which, I mean, it's a noble sentiment, but it, it just felt like, eh, okay. Um, but then, obviously, Stockholm Syndrome or whatever, but she begins to develop feelings for him. And she definitely is the conduit through which we begin to see, oh, he's not horrible, He's just kind of doing some horrible things, but you know. And Vlad actually softens quite a bit. It feels yeah. like from reputation through time with Aaron, because realistically, he could have had Perry and the Doctor flayed alive and then impaled <laughs> several times. And he always okay. And he kind of backs down from that. It's kind of like well, it's one of those where you wonder how much of it is Aramim softening and how much of it is. The legend outranking yeah, the, could go either the, way. The, the, the person. But I think he genuinely had feelings for her. And um, then when you get to the end and he flies into a rage and then just kind of drops the matter. is like, oh, okay. 
but everything else a, was so good. I think like, that's oh. what I thought was interesting about it is you you said you you developed some sympathy for Vlad. I don't know that I drew sympathy, but I just drew an understanding as to why he was the way he was. But I still never at any point felt like he was being oversold as this tyrant because I think he still mm-hmm. was. And there were times that he would fly off the handle with Araman or he would fly off the handle with, you know, uh, the only person he never, ever flew off the handle with was John. Ever. He was always very, and you could tell that that must have been because of their relationship together, but there, there's not a lot of it to develop on. But there was always times that it almost felt like maybe his situation has drove drove him a bit insane. And they kind of softened the whole uh, story of his killing off the, what was the group of nobles that you know he ended up inviting to dinner and then ended up oh. slaughtering and, and enslaving some of them. Um, they do kind of try to soften that from the other side because he does open up and tell Araman that, well, it was, it was you know, vindication for what they did to my father. And it's, it's not because, you know, uh, of the fact that they weren't going to be loyal to me. It's the fact that they never were loyal to us. Mm-hmm. And so you, I kind of sit in and go, okay, I see where your pers- perspective of that is. But then a few uh, scenes later, he's unhinged and going off the the rails again with with Araman or with and and so I well I agree that I had some understanding I never had sympathy for him so I never really yes he was a horrible person not just somebody did horrible things he was a horrible person there was a reason behind some of the horrific things he did but he was still a horrible person that didn't make me dislike the story at all I don't like the character but I like the way that the characters portrayed and told and I think that was that was the number one thing about it. So then again, at the end, I'm okay with the fact that he does the switch on a dime with, oh, okay, well, just go, go. And because he did, he felt like he was one of those very manic, depressive type people that, that, that flew in and out. And so that felt right to me that that happened. It's when they get into the TARDIS later and they're having the little conversation that I, that felt to me was the letdown of, not even so much a letdown because again, I was glad that Airman was safe, that they're going to be able to go on further adventures, but it was just the, the almost the demeanor between the three was this whew, glad that's over. And it just, it just real had a, a yeah. real, you know, eighties sitcom or drama, well, you know, even dramas that ended like even, that. Even Airman seems to turn on a dime. Yeah. That, being, that was my problem. So was Airman, that I'm yeah. protecting everybody else and I'm being noble and, and this kind of stuff. And then, Oh, I can actually leave with you. Okay. Yeah, I, that's that's yeah. No, I agree with you there. Yeah, it's Airman's changing back so quickly is what I had a problem with. Yeah. You're right. Yeah, that's a valid point. But man, it, sympathy it, is it, the wrong word for me. Yeah, Vlad, yeah I, well, and I, I think I knew what you meant. Yeah. You, I think I, it's it's more understanding for why he's who he is. Right. Yeah. Not necessarily you don't necessarily sympathize with him, but it's you at well, least they humanize empathize him. maybe with him. As I think they better. humanize him a little. bit. They do humanize yeah. him. Yes, certainly, certainly. Even all, more so than just stripping away the the mythos of Dracula. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. And for all that, like I said, I, I feel like it's a nitpick. It, it doesn't collapse the story for me at the end. It's still well worth the listen, even even with the somewhat soft ending. It's, oh yeah, it's it's well worth. Oh the yeah, ride, absolutely. You know, yeah. So um, it's kind of a shame we didn't review listen to this one in October. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought that. the same thing. I thought, wow, this would have been a really good like Halloween esque. Uh, yeah. Story, but you thought it was about Asian about, culture, yeah. <laughs> Chinese dragons. Chinese dragons. 
Maybe it's a, maybe it's a sequel to Talons. <laughs> I don't know. Somehow related to Dragonfire, Son of the Dragon. Uh, okay. But yeah, high marks. Shows it's, what it's, I know. It's, it's very good. <laughs> it's funny how little we talk about things that we review when we liked them. We think we seem to talk for hours. No, not that long. But we seem to talk long periods of time stuff we don't like, but stuff we love. I guess if you don't have anything bad to say about it because you like it so much, there's very few things to tear apart. Well, maybe, yeah. I'm not asking you guys to drag this oh, out because okay. if we can, yeah, yeah, if we can move on to the comics, which no, I do have some more issues with, but um, not just. Uh, I see. Uh, 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 I do have some issues with, but yeah, I, I I don't mean that we have to keep. But I just I noticed the last few weeks of the stuff that we all kind of land on and go, yeah, that was really good. I really like that. I don't know what else to say about it. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of. How I am. Yes. Let's move on. All right. Moving on. The 12th Doctor, Death Beneath the Waves. The new 12th Doctor grapple, or the new, new. The 12th Doctor grapples <laughs> with two deadly small towns in this brand new collection, kicking off year three. First, it's the return of fan favorite comics companion, space bassist. Hattie, as the twelfth Doctor takes her for her best fish, for the best fish and chips in the galaxy, in a sleepy seaside town in the 1970s. But there's something ancient and evil beneath the waves, something that has mired its twisted tentacles into the local people, something that weaves itself into Hattie's dreams and drags itself up onto land in mounds of shambling seaweeds. Can the Doctor and Hattie get to the bottom of a cosmological? horror before it devours them and wipes the town off the map. And, in a solo adventure, the 12th Doctor heads back to the 1950s for a creep slice of small town Americana in The Boy with the Displaced Smile. Bum, bum, bum! And yet. <laughs> Go ahead, Glenn. Tell us what you didn't like about No, no, no. It's not that I didn't. It's not that I hated this. In fact, I thought this was a really, really good story, especially Beneath the Waves. And what I'm very appreciative of is the fact that this is what's collected in the uh, graphic novel. Ver- well, I say graphic novel, but the collection. Yeah, the trade paperback version of it. Because they did it right. They kept all of the Beneath the Waves story together and then gave us uh, uh, the boy with the display smile. Because if you were reading these, it actually comes out with part one of Beneath the Waves. Then it goes to the boy with the displaced smile, and then beneath the waves, part two and three is how they actually came out in comic book. They released them. That they, way? Released they released them. That's that how way. I read them. So they stepped away. Why did they do this, that? I have no idea. What's interesting? What? Yeah. So I'm glad that I read the trade paperback version I because if there they was kept some them in the right the si- order. Behind the scenes, maybe they got reason. delayed on part two for some reason, so they had one ready. Well, what's interesting is that the way part two or, or issue two starts with the boy with the displaced smile. And it comes up on the previously on Doctor Who, blah, 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 blah. And then there's this weird line about, but the Doctor's mind is called back to a previous adventure. <laughs> like he's in the middle of this cliffhanger and suddenly goes, you remember that time I went and had this diner thing and there were zombies, but not? And there was the kid and the smile and the reality warp? That was kind of cool. <laughs> oh, but we were over here. And it's, it's just... I kept waiting for it's, somewhere within Beneath the Waves to call back for the reasoning that that issue yeah. was dropped in the middle of the story, I and can they s- didn't. Well, but I can see, I mean, I can almost forgive them for doing that, because if, like Keith said, there is some technical aspect for why they had to slide this one up, at least they uh, 
tried to address it. At least they tried to say they didn't just like, I mean, because it would be even worse if they didn't even mention yeah. and they just went into this and you're like, what happened to this story that we were right in the middle yeah. of? So at least they, they address it and try to try to fix it in that way. Yeah, previously, but before that story continues, the doctor's mind is thrust back to a previous adventure before he picked up Hattie. The cliffhanger wasn't even anything that would have been like I know. thrust in his mind and anywhere, it's, right? it's even listed as an interlude. Yeah, like I say, I, I, yeah. <laughs> what? Like I say, I think that I give them I give them high credit for doing that if there was from they were forced to do this. Now, if it was planned to do that way, then yeah, I needed a gimmick that did thrust his mind back to it. But if it's a, hey, we've got to let the reader know. That must be it. Yeah, and just, I, I'm certain of that. I mean, if, if I won't, I won't bag on it then, because if they, if they, rese- I didn't read the, the, the trade, but yeah, if they resequenced them in the trade. They did resequence them in the trade. Then that sounds like it that, wasn't that was on purpose. Something no, else. So that's why I, I agree with so. Keith. Okay. It must have been something behind the scenes that happened. Which but. makes me wonder if that's part of why the artwork is so different and. No, the had the story there, isn't yeah. quite as up to snuff is because they had to rush this issue out in order to fill that gap because they didn't have time to get their other one done or if they just reshuffled their release order or what they did. Here's what I liked about this. George Mann writes a great story here. I yes, like the fact that Hattie's back. I love that this, this seaside town under siege. I like the fact that it the the menace is actually a message trying to get to somebody to help this entity that is underneath the waves. It's a great story. It's a mm-hmm. bit tropey. It's things we've sort of seen in different variations before. But it's wonderful. It's got great characters. I loved uh, Maddie and uh, not Maddie, uh, Maggie and what was the other old lady's name? I love them. Yeah. I like the fact that the hospital's full because they've got all these tranched people that are as a result of this thing that's going on here that's trying to give the message out. And so they've moved the hospital, some of the patients over into the inn. It was a bit weird and surprising that we have this normalized inn downstairs and then suddenly go upstairs and Oh, this has been up here all along. Nobody said anything about it, but I can kind of see that because we'll take two rooms for the night. If, don't, don't trip over the hospital ward. Exactly, yeah, exactly. But I guess if you're having, if you have an inn and you have visitors that come, you don't want really people to know that there's a hospital ward upstairs but, as well. But it yeah. seemed like it was a convenience. I think it, it was very much a convenience, and it went one step further in the. At what point in time when I was checking into your hotel did you not think to let me know yeah, yeah, yeah. that there's an epidemic? <laughs> because the doctor even says, we think it might be something yeah. viral. And it's like, I'm not staying here. So there's a bit of an issue I have with it as well. <laughs> yep, agreed. Yeah, come on. On the Talk other hand, I suppose some greedy, some greedy innkeepers like, <laughs> well, I'm not going to tell anybody about it. Even though we've got some of the patients <laughs> upstairs. Well, yeah, so that, that was a bit weird, but... The only I, other part of my brain that, that can justify that is this: this is such a small town and it's the only inn. Well, that's certainly yeah, that, that's still certainly true. But there's no other option. Send so somebody like, to another village on the where, road. Where, where is the gruff fourth doctor era innkeeper with the sideburns that go all the way down his face like John Peel, who goes, "Trust me, traveler, you want to keep moving on. You don't want to <laughs> stay here. I, no, give me your money. <laughs> I'll put you right next door to the." I like that this. I like that this story starts off with him at the planet where they're looking. They're going. They're going to unearth the archaeology. And the quirks come marching out, and I thought, "Oh, Keith's gonna love this." Yes, (laughs) I was so excited. I thought the entire story was going to be quirks, and then the rest of it just kind of went down. Well, I like how he dispatched him right away too. It was kind of a neat little, like almost like opening credit sequence. You know, it's a very James Bondy aspect of it. Well, it's very, very much in the line, especially for the beginning of a season for the Moffat era. We drop into the 
12, the Doctor's run mid-adventure. We, he wraps it up very quickly, and then we move on to the actual story. Doris and Mavis. Those, Mavis, were, the, those yeah. were the two girls. And, and if it matters in the least, Tomb of the Quarks is now a thing that's running around <laughs> in my head. So, oh, yes. Tomb of the Quarks. Tomb of the Quarks. If nothing else. So, and I absolutely, again, I love that Hattie's back. We really enjoyed her as a character when uh, he met her on the twist. Um, I like the fact that now fame has kind of over, you know, taking its toll on her. And so she needs a break and he takes her away from it. Um, I, they have a great companionship, great relationship. I no. guess what I'm getting most tired of is this whole rock and roll thing that we got, keep going back to and all the little drops uh i mean it felt reused from the twist idea i know it's hattie and that's kind of how they heard that's their thing yeah it's kind of their communique but it just it felt forced oh. and it felt too much and i kind of i thought we, we could have done without this we could have done without what we had done before it's it's all right in the beginning it it's, is all right it's in the, it's the resolution yes. Yes. where the, the the guitars save the day that's is the kind biggest of the, problem really is, that's, yeah. yeah is, is we, re, we rehash that and we have that okay well we're gonna play our way out of this and that that felt like okay wait you went kind of over the top and you redid what we've been doing before and I'm, part of it says it, uh, Sean had brought this up in past years that we kind of had this music theme going on and there was so much of it and now it's suddenly we're in year three and we're still doing so much of this music theme and I, I with I, the third doctor or the tenth doctor with and the tenth doctor and, and Gabby yeah, yeah. And, but so and eleven well even eleven and yeah. eleven yeah that's yeah. just with, it with, and with so Joey it's and, uh, almost yeah. like Titan does not know how to break away from making music be their central theme now that we've had it over a course of several years. So well, it seems like they've almost shifted. A long game. Yeah. <laughs> no, because if they are, then I'll be really disappointed because it needs to just stop. <laughs> well, it's, it seems like they kind of shifted from it was very prevalent in 11th Doctor in year one. Yeah. And then went more prevalent in year two for 10th Doctor. And then a tad bit in 12. Yeah. And now again. So I don't. Maybe they're just shifting it around as they... Maybe it's just the writers struggling to find uses for the Sonic. Well, and uh, that might be <laughs> it, too. And, I mean, for anybody that it should fit with, it is Capaldi's Doctor. It, this is the way that oh, the yeah. Doctor has been portrayed even on screen, but... I mean, the fact that he plays a guitar on a tank. I mean, yeah. come on. I mean, but so... It, but it just felt like a little too much. It felt like a little bit too, I don't know, over the top, I thought. It, but, it felt... When when you do this sort of thing, it feels it felt almost kind of Bill and Ted caricature of the twelfth yeah, Doctor yeah. when you do this sort of thing. It felt almost Bill and Ted there at the end. We'll we'll play our way out of here. Yeah, you know, just I don't know. So that's what I what, what I meant by it was like uh, I've got issues with it. That that's the issue again. It's it's an ending thing, but it's yeah. It's almost like we don't know where to go. So let's go back to this trope we established. You know, with Hattie the first time. So. Talking about the uh, the inn, had I seen this carpet when I walked into the inn, I would have turned around and ran away. <laughs> it's the shining carpet, it is man. Shining oh carpet. wow, it is. <laughs> I mean, nice reference, but come yeah, on. I think you did that. On, I think you did that on purpose. It also kind of looks like the Tardis walls. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it's like the roundels, but no, you're right. That's the shining carpet. I would have turned around and <laughs> I tailed it. Nope, I'm done. <laughs> so, speaking of the artwork. I know that's Glenn's favorite thing to talk about on these comics. Um, these three in particular are gorgeous. Oh, yeah. gorgeous. I really yeah. like so them. Well and I love this bit where uh, they get the fire hose out in issue three uh, of 
two part second part of the of the Hattie story, and because we're gonna we're gonna knock out the seaweed monster. This is all we've got. Okay, let it rip, and it just kind of dissolves and turns into this pile of leaves. And Hattie's like, well, "That worked better than I expected." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept waiting. When 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 is the doctor gonna wake up from his coma? Come running into them, going, "Don't get them wet. Whatever you do, I, I just there's gotta be something bad that happened." And no, it was just it worked. And then I was like, "All right, cool." And then they never went back to that method for getting rid of them. I was like, "Aw, you guys, come on!" Didn't it reform though? Nope. Oh, I thought it did for some no, reason. It just no more just came. More came. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm thinking But uh, absolutely gorgeous artwork in these. Yeah, I, I really happy with these. And even though it's different, but even the boy with this place smile, I, I I liked for what they were doing with it. I didn't mind that it had a different art style. Yeah, but it was still good. It worked for the story. I'm moving on to that. I'm a little lurk, lukewarm on it. I I didn't think it was a bad story, but it felt a bit disjointed, and it felt it kind of felt Twilight Zoney, mm-hmm. you know, and and probably because of the kid that wishes the people out into the cornfield. But uh, it just I don't know. It, it felt interludish. It felt like okay, we need a one story here. Let's do something yeah. kind of fantastical and and a little different. And for what it was, I thought it was okay. I really kind of liked Penny, um, but I, and I didn't like the sheriff, and I didn't like the the <laughs> other guy, who are these big babies that Penny's basically taking care of because they're afraid to go outside. But they're very opinionated and and yeah, big headed and I just that I kind of didn't like that. But um, yeah, no. Overall, I, it was an okay story, but I'm just I'm. Neither here nor there. Huh? Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. It was, as for an interlude where we're companionless waiting for Bill to show up, it's all right. Yeah. I mean, Penny Penny serves well in that role. And Another I, audition. I would have been okay if she would have gone around for like one more issue, yeah. but it, the, the threat is kind of, uh, okay, yeah, whatever. I think what I would have liked better would have, if this, they placed this story at the beginning and then did the, and ended it with the the three part in the in the books that we've done. In fact, probably for the comics, it would have served it better. But maybe they felt yeah. like for year one, uh, three, they couldn't really go out on that comic because I don't think it's as strong a story. Maybe just, that's what they to been, launch it. To yeah. launch that. Well, year. and John George Mann as a uh, as far at least as far as Doctor Who stuff is going goes is a name. To yeah, launch, to launch a new season. So, so. There, there are are two things that I really really liked about this one. That in a way almost carry it, and and, and one of which is the. Uh, see if I can find it. It's the line when the doctor's talking to. The aliens, um, about. That he's alone. That he's lonely, and that they're feeding. And they're, oh, you're just like us. You're, and he's like, no, I'm not. And I'm like, yeah, you are. And it was just the the way that was put together was one of those kind of things that just it. it Gave a lot of weight to that exchange, which was I, I thought very cool. Um, and then the other part of it was the um, um, find it now. What I sort of wish, well, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. What I sort of wish Titan would do because we're leading up to the Bill adventures, obviously, but. What I kind of wish Titan would do is get the okay to fill in some of the doc, the Twelfth Doctor Nardle stuff. Yeah. Since Twelve is going, there's it's not like they're going to do any of that, tackle that in the TV. Yeah, it's true. I'd almost like to see a few things between 
the Dr. Nardle setting up to ending up at the university. That I would think be that nice. would be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, obviously, they probably can't do that because of television rights, you know, the way that that's manipulated. But I kind of like to see some of that behind, between, Truly, you know, between Clara out. leaving and, and yeah. Nardle appearing. That would be or between. I guess it would be between uh, Husbands of River Song and uh, Dr. Mysterio. Yeah. Or even between Mysterio and... Well, yeah, I, that's why I guess that's why we have to set up the yeah. the, the the vault, the pilot. And, and, yeah. yeah, maybe some adventures with Missy or something. I don't know. I can't find the other thing that really attracted me to it. I tell you what, I didn't like was the idea that well, how do we get this thing off the kid? Oh, think of the good times you had at the diner. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, that's your happy place. That was his happy place. The diner. You have okay. to give. You have to give it to him, I guess. <laughs> Seems a bit of a convenience. Yeah, but I agree. Okay. Although I'm, I'm, oh, no. I'm, I'm easier giving a convenience to a short form story like a comic than yeah. I am to a audio or a television. Because even the resetting of reality when it's all fixed, it's kind of like, ah, oh, we're all right. Reboot. You got us only so many pages you can do yeah. this in. How are you gonna work your way out of that one? I'm gonna. It's not even wiping first. the memory. It's literally the car got flipped back over and it's fixed again. I mean, it right. wasn't just a surface reality reset. Yeah. <laughs> well, he mentions that it's a uh, percept a, a reality perception or something. Right. So yeah, but... this was not actually how things were. But I thought for maybe a minute that just the way they were kind of designed on the chest that it was kind of maybe a cousin of the dream crabs. Kind yeah, of had that same feel kind of... to it. Between that and the beetle from Turn Left. Yeah. All kind of similar. They probably were heavy influences in mm-hmm. that idea. Maybe they're all cousins to each other. Maybe, Maybe. they're all similar to each Bugs. other. Bugs. Bugs. Mm. Right, a story where those bugs are all native to the same planet. That would be kind of cool. What a horrific planet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah nobody go there. <laughs> Anything else on this four parts that we uh, finish? We're chugging along now in the Titan stuff. I'm kind of yeah. enjoying it. So, I kind of like also comics. the four story uh, <laughs> formula that we've picked up now. I think that works a lot better. Eh. <laughs> Depends on the story arcs they're telling. Depends on the story arcs. I'm I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a fan of five, but you know. All right. Or, what else? Or we... Six, if that's a complete run. But you what know, else we got on the uh, schedule, Sean? Creature from the Pit. Creature from the Pit. So we'll be watching that for our Friday Night Who selection on Friday uh, at 10.30 if you want to join us. And then we'll be discussing it because we have not reviewed that one at all. But that's another a... good one to do in October. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's debatable. But I don't, I don't want to spoil Keith on anything. Is that a Hinchcliffe one? It is not a Hinchcliffe no, one. It but is... it is for and Sarah Jane, right? Nope. No? For and uh, Romana 2. Oh. And I think some limited canine. Ooh. Laryngitis canine? Uh, it is season... No? Yes, yes. yes. Be, it would be So not John Leeson. Not, not John Leeson. Yes. Oh. Don't get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, it's, I'm okay that he's limited then if it's not John Leeson. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that'll be... That, that I think... Is that all of Romana for me? I think that uh, finishes off all of Romana too for you. It's all of Romana, period. Well, all of Romana, period, yeah, because we've done the other. Televised. 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 So, the end of an era. It's all starting (laughs) to close down. 
But uh, so we'll be doing a uh, creature from the pit, and then uh, the following week, uh, Curse of Peladon for Friday Night Who, and then the Brigverse novella, The Flaming Soldiers. So you've got two weeks from today to uh, get that knocked out on your reading, and then uh, one more week out will be uh, World Enough in Time, The Doctor Falls. We'll re- kind of recap that, uh, and then Christmas time, Twice Upon a Time. Yay! I'm excited. Hard to believe Christmas is almost here. It's almost here. Uh, if you uh, like to support us on Patreon, you can go to our website, travelingvortex.com. Every little bit of that helps keep this show going. So if you can support us there, please do so. And we appreciate everybody that already does. Very much Absolutely. so. Absolutely. Anything else we need to talk about before we close the show? Yes, I have something I would like to announce. Is that, uh, as we mentioned or in passing uh, on the on the show previously, that we do some short film work uh, around uh, the campfire here, and uh, uh, our team entered the four points. No, yes, the four points film contest, uh, which is an online film festival. Uh, we completed our film and got it turned in, and it uh, it did well. Um, this is an online international competition. And uh, they've gone through the initial round of judging and uh, cut it down from 128 films that were initially uh, submitted and turned in down to 16. And we're one of the 16. Now, what I'm asking of all of you to do is we'll post both links that you can go and if you want, you can watch all 16 of the short films that are, are in the running. But of those 16, they're asking for an audience favorite. And it's just kind of a popularity contest. We're asking for votes. So if you would click on the other link and just go vote for it. You have to vote for three. But just make sure that we're one of those three. But uh, the film is called Course Correction. And it's from Berkeley Square. So you can go and, uh, I said, just click on the link in the show notes and, and, and watch it and let us know what you think. Anyway, so that, that's my impassioned plea for, for this week. Uh, the voting is open for one more week. Uh, if you like it, please let me know. Very good. Anything else we need to talk about this week? If not, until next week, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied.